1: You get a flat tire, you call somebody, and they take the information and they give you the comforting words, help is on the way. We have the spiritual version of that next on Truth For Today. Those are comforting words, are they not? Especially when you're in need and you need help. For somebody to say, help is on the way, that is a total stress reliever, isn't it? Well, how about spiritually speaking? Yeah, help is on the way. That's exactly what we get out of John 14 from Jesus Himself. So what does He mean when He tells you and I that help is on the way? Well, let's talk about that on this edition of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from
2: Valley Bible Church in Hercules. John 14. Christ has announced to his uh, men that he's going away. He already said, Judas, you're going to betray me. Go do what you're going to do quickly. And so he leaves the upper room. Peter, in his pledge of loyalty, Christ bursts the bubble and says, no, you won't. You won't be faithful to me. Contrary to your uh, greatest vow and the biggest emotional rush of I will be with you, uh, you won't. You will deny me. Had to be an utter shock to him and the disciples. I don't think he ever uh, dreamed he would ever be capable of doing that. And uh, then Christ goes on to say, by the way, I'm going to go away. I'm going to become invisible. And I'm not going to let my church see me for the next 2,000 years. They didn't hear that. But that's what it's been. Uh... And so they're in a panic. Where will you be? How will we get in touch with you? Uh, uh, Has this whole thing died? And so in light of this, he tells them, uh, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I am the way to that city. I'm going to go to the cross and prepare that way. And then he continues saying these wonderful truths. And we pick up verse 7. If you had known me, You would have known my Father also. From now on you know him and have seen him. Christ is assuming you men already know the Father. You already know him. You're thoroughly acquainted. Watch. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. And probably what he's saying is do a theophany. Uh, God, show up in the bush, uh, the cloud, uh, manifest. We need a manifestation. Uh, Reveal yourself. I'm in the dark. When have we ever seen God the Father? We have not seen him. Jesus is saying, you have. Philip's saying, no, I haven't. Who's right? Now watch. Jesus said to him, Have I been so long with you, and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? And in a way you say, yeah, I have been with you, and I still don't get it. He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me is continually believing. The works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. I Don't know that I want to preach as much as I want to explain to you the the profundity of the passage. I was going to skip verses 7 through 11 because I wanted to jump to the prayer section. Everybody wants to know about prayer. Nobody understands 7 through 11. Why waste our time? Well, maybe we should waste our time if we don't understand it. We expected them to get it, and we're still trying to figure it out. What did he say here? And so there'll be three things I want us to look at. The Father is perfectly revealed in the Son. The Father is perfectly represented in the Son. And that's what he's saying, 7 through 11. The Father is perfectly put on display through his Son. Second, Christ wants these men to know, I want to be on display through you. I'm going to turn over the greater works that need to be done, not to a visible Christ, but to an invisible Christ. And I want you to perfectly represent and reveal me in the world when I'm gone. Thirdly, just because I become invisible does not mean I will stop working. I will be actively involved working on behalf of what happens on the earth in the throne room of God. I'm going to the Father, and I will send you everything you need to do the work I'm leaving in your hands. Let's first of all look. The Father is perfectly revealed in the Son. And what he says to, in this passage is, The Father's words... The Father's works and the Father's will has been perfectly done in the Son. And he's going to go to the cross as the Father has designed it. Uh, Every word that Christ taught, he said, the words that I've used are not my own. They come from the Father. The works I've done, why, they've been the works of the Father. I have come to do thy will, O God, as it is written of me in the volume of the book. I've done your will. I've never moved on my own initiative. I've never done a single thing in my whole life that ever was not your will to be done. I have perfectly represented you. Perfect representation. So what do we have? We have the invisible God that no man has ever seen. John one eighteen. No man has ever seen what do you do with a verse like this? No man has ever seen God before. No one has ever seen God the Father ever. And according to John one eighteen, the Son has come to explain him, to bring him out in full revelation. So I am the word which means I am the spokesman, the revealer of what God the Father's like. And I'll give a perfect representation of what the invisible God that no one's ever seen. Let me bring out into public uh, uh, preview. This is what the Father's like. And I've been the perfect representation. So you see a dynamic here. An invisible God wants a visible representative. You follow me? The invisible God wants to be perfectly represented in word, deed, and his will. Not the son's will versus the father's will. Now, besides this, Christ says there is an interpenetration. I'm I'm begging for terms. How do I... It's it's the only term I could... There is an interpenetration between the Father and the Son, so that you don't know, you can't distinguish, are these the Father's words or the Son's words? Which ones are they? They're both. From the Father, perfectly represented in the Son, the words of God are not the Father's words, the Son's words, they're our words. When does the Father begin and stop in the ministry of Christ? And where does Christ pick up and he leaves off? Nowhere it seems. Nowhere. Now the Son, here's an amazing thing. He volunteers to never do anything independent of the Father. So he's dependent on the Father for his whole earthly ministry. And the ministry of the Spirit to get him through. He, he does some miracles to show that he's deity. He's capable of it. But he's in submission. He didn't come to do his own thing. He came to do the Father's thing. We are inseparable in purpose, in words, and works. Look at it. Verse uh, 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father? And you don't know what that means, do you? Run up here and tell us what it means. I just call it interpenetration. And you're still saying that's a nice word. What is it? I don't know. It's the best I can do. Do you do better? You have to do it. And the Father is in me. I'm in him. We share the same nature. The same agenda. The same words. The same works. The words that I say... They're not from me, they're the Father. And where is the Father? Abiding in me. That's what he says. He's abiding in him. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me. If you don't get it, look at the works. The works say, God's working with me. God's working through me. And when you've seen me do a work, you've seen the Father do a work. When you see me say a word, the Father said a word. For I am the perfect representation of the invisible God that you've never seen before. Now, he's going to take that and he's going to transfer it to his people. And he's going to say to them, I am going to be in you like the Father was in me. Look at verse 20. In that day, I think it's the day of Pentecost when the church was immersed in the Spirit and the body of Christ began, in that day you will know that I am in my Father. Interesting. I don't think you're going to get it in this upper room, but in that day you'll find out how inseparable the members of the Godhead are. At that day. There's a future day you're going to get it. You're going to understand it. And there's something else I want you to get on that day. You will find out you are in me. Do you see that? And he'll explain it in John 15 as the branch is in the vine, as a member of the body is joined to the head. You will be immersed into me, and you will be a member of Christ's body, and I will be in you. Now, now explain that. Okay, I'm in the Son. 115 times it said in the New Testament you are in Jesus and it says that he is in you Christ in you is the hope of glory he is in the believer I'm in Christ Galatians says you're so in Christ that when God looks on you he doesn't even see gender ethnicity or social status he sees you clothed in his son and he treats you just like he treats the son that's why it says in ephesians we have all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in christ everything god wants to give a person he's given it to us in jesus So Piper's great line is that uh, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied with all he's done for us in Jesus. If Jesus doesn't satisfy you, God doesn't satisfy you. He's in you. You're in him. But when I got saved, I didn't start feeling like I, was, I felt a rib cage around me or another person around me. No, some mystical way, a union was formed. The moment I became a believer, the Spirit immersed me into Christ. And I've been in Him for all these years, just like you. And He moved in that very moment. Christ came into you. Now what He's saying, I'm going to leave the work that I've been doing to you, my church, my disciples. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who is continually believing the works that I do, he will do also. That's a big order. But you're going to be doing the work I want you to do and greater works than these he will do Because I go to the Father. Not because you're greater than your master. But because I will go to the Father. And I will be working up there. And you'll be working down here. So it's going to be a partnership that's going to be formed. I'm going to be in you. You're going to be in me. And here's the amazing thing. As I represented the invisible Father... I'm going to entrust you to represent me. I want you to do my works. I want you to proclaim my word. And I want you to do my will. And you are going to be my visible external representatives. You will reveal what I'm like. You will represent the head. You're the body. He's the head. He'll be up there, as it were, in the clouds. You'll be here on the earth. And I want you to represent me. Now, I'm turning over to you works and greater works. But let me tell you what. I'm going to take you men. I'm going to start a church. And I'm going to be working for you at my Father's right hand. But I'm going to do greater things to you than I ever did in my own ministry. Now, it can't be greater than raising dead people. It can't be greater than feeding the multitudes. His miracles could not be surpassed. What does he mean by greater works? Well, uh, it's really fun when you go on the, the journey and all the commentaries. Uh, let me give you what, uh, the best I found, what they say. Then I'll give you the correct view. Uh, uh, most common view is converts converts. How many people did Jesus lead to himself? Did the 5,000 he fed, did they put faith in him? No, they went away. Jesus couldn't keep a crowd. He could get a crowd, but he couldn't keep it. Do a miracle, feed a bunch of people, you can get a crowd. Didn't mean you keep them. John 6, they went away. And he said to the men that were there, he said, will you also go away? 12 men were standing around. 5,000 he just fed. And they all left. And they had 12 men. said, are you going to leave me too? And Peter spoke up. Let's give Peter some great credit here. He said, who, to, who else could we go to? Lord, you're the only one who's got eternal life. Everybody can make bread. But only you give a man eternal life. I'm hanging out with you. So, converts. And what's interesting, he takes the man in the room that will fail the greatest. And he preaches the first sermon of this new era through him. And 3,000 are saved in one day. This does not make any sense. But this is the greater work. I mean, I would have already fired him in the upper room. I know you're going to bail out. You're fired. I'm going to get someone to replace you. No, I'm not going to replace you. I'm going to entrust the greater works to you. You're going to preach for me on the day of Pentecost. That's one I think it's a good view. Another one is the view of geography. Christ spent all of his ministry within 80 miles. 80 miles. He wasn't even a world evangelist. He never made any trips to Africa or Europe. He, his whole ministry was in a matter of probably 40 to 80 miles at the most. And he's going to say, When I take you men, I'm going to take you from Jerusalem to the uttermost parts of the earth with a message of who I am and you're going to represent me not only to the Jews I'm going to take it to the Gentiles you shall go to the uttermost parts of the earth you're going to get outside of Palestine. Matter of fact, by 55 AD, would you believe this gospel is being preached to the Praetorian Guard and preached to the household of Caesar? Within 20 years of the death of Christ, we've already reached the emperor's household by, a guy by the name of Paul. I'm going to get it outside of Palestine. You're not really excited because you don't know yet where you're going to land. That's pretty good stuff to do that then uh, you're going to have a greater message than what I had. I'm proclaiming I am Messiah. I'm claiming believe on me. But you're going to be on the other side of my cross work and my resurrection and my triumph and my ascension to heaven. You're going to be entrusted with a much greater message. I can't preach. I've died for you. I was buried for you. I rose for you. I've ascended for you. You will. I'm going to entrust that greater message to you, you men. I'm going to entrust you with my words. I'm going to entrust you with my work. I want you to represent that to the world. All the way, as far as you can go. And then I think uh, a fourth view. Is it not a greater work that you could be represented to imperfect people? When Christ was the perfect representative... For the father it happened straight across without any diminishment without any uh, distractions but now the son is saying I am going to be represented through you Uh, uh, and here's his roster good old doubting Thomas you want him to represent you? yeah you want the former tax collector Matthew representing you? yeah I'm going to use him Peter, yeah, yeah, I'll use him. James and John, they're better at frying people than reaching people. They're the ones that burn up the town, Lord. He said, you don't know what spirit you're of, you sons of thunder. I didn't come to burn up towns. I came to save towns. Look at some of you rascal hotheads out here. I can't believe God would stoop to use you. He's got to be desperate. And he is. They had a great... Prank they did at Dallas Seminary. George Rutenbart tells me about it. That uh, on the uh, uh, kind of the chapel for all the grads, just at the school, the guys come out and they're wearing their uh, hood and their gown. And uh, if you're a Hebrew major, you're carrying your Hebrew Bible. If you're a Greek major, you know it's a big formal thing. And they're getting doctorates and masters, and they come out for this very formal, um, serious moment. And by the time they reach the platform and they get up here to be honored by all the students and faculty, three of the students had arranged a banner that came down at a certain moment when they got on the stage and it came down and it covered them and it simply said, is this the best the grace of God can do? And some men nearly got expelled because George was there for doing the prank. And you know, I look out, I've been around Christians for over 50 years, and they're not real impressive. Not many PhDs in this auditorium. How many PhDs do we have represented? Go. I want to be sure to see it. We want to acknowledge you. Some of you are like Irma Bombay. She said, I cry when my kids pass the eye test. I mean... We're not all that impressive, and they're sure not impressive here. I No church growth expert in all your life are going to pick these 11 losers and bailout artists this night to build a church with. Jesus did. I'm going to entrust the work to you men, and you're going to do greater things in my name than I ever did. But you're going to be doing it not because you're so powerful and great. I'm going to be up there giving you everything you need down here. And by the way, in this chapter, the next section, you're going to say, and because you're such a weak lot, I'm going to send you some help, and you call him the Holy Spirit.
1: Well, as we come to the close of our time today here on Truth For Today, we would leave you with our address and phone number in the event you'd like to reach out to us. Maybe you have a question about today's program a question about your own relationship with Christ, maybe you'd like to review today's message or any past message here on Truth For Today. Reach out to us at truthfortodayradio.org online or call. The phone number is 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. And one other thought to consider as we conclude our time together today, we know that the challenging times we live in make for rather challenging growth opportunities in Christ. And if this broadcast is helping you in your walk and relationship with Christ, would you consider partnering with us financially and prayerfully? Again, these are very challenging times, since ministries all over the world are actually suffering, and they are being challenged as to how to continue ministering the gospel of Christ. And truth for today is no different. If you consider this broadcast a blessing to you, would you consider being a blessing to us? 100% of your donation is tax-deductible, and it goes right back into the radio ministry, whether it's a one-time gift, a monthly gift small or large, it all makes a huge difference. And your prayers and requests to the Lord about the continuation of Truth For Today are even more appreciated. Reach out to us at truthfortodayradio.org or, again, call 855-833-9864. Or, you can write out a check and address your envelope to 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, may Christ be your truth for today.